Now I would like to just share with you some conversion stories. First of all, maybe we'll think about why do people choose Islam? Does it shock you that people choose to be Muslims? I have many friends where one of their children or their grandchild or their sister or niece or nephew, people in their family have chosen to marry a Muslim or become a Muslim. Why do people choose that? And among the list of converts that I've read, a large percentage come from church backgrounds, people who said they were Christians from various churches, and a number have been believers in nothing. But the large percentage of the testimonies that I've read come from a church background. And why does that happen? Trying to think out what are the influences or the things that made a person very vulnerable to other faiths. Quite often I've heard from people who converted some of my friends, that's because Christianity has failed. Well, that's a popular idea that Muslims talk about, but also some people f feel that the church has failed them or Christianity somehow isn't what it was before. One of my friends said that when she f went to church as a child and to a religious school, there were rules, there were uh, moral standards. Things were fixed and they could never change. But they did. They changed. And it made her feel, well, if you can change the rules, then maybe it wasn't true after all. Maybe it doesn't make any difference if rules are changeable. But also, uh, another friend was saying, but the Bible is just a book, like the Quran is just a book. And we have no reason to know that it's true. We don't know anything about its background. We just know that people wrote it. So if men wrote it, why would it be true? The Quran also. And they know nothing about the fact that the Bible is trustworthy. And they have a very small knowledge sometimes of Scripture. We, I found that several of my friends said, well, in our church, we talk a lot about Jesus, but I know nothing about the rest of the Bible. What happened in the Old Testament? I haven't even read it. So it's, it's part lack of knowledge on their part, but part sometimes that we haven't presented strongly and taught people the whole of the scriptures. We tend to teach parts. And another question so often comes up, oh, the Trinity. Nobody understands the Trinity. How in the world do you arrive at that? And you know the word's not even in the Bible, so who made it up? How did we get this? And that can cause quite a lot of stumbling. Of course, they could try to learn about it, but sometimes they don't think of it in that sense. And I had another friend who told me, oh, well, doctrine, I don't know anything about doctrine. What is that anyway? And so our lack of Christians and being taught the Bible and taught things so that we have a very good understanding, sometimes it is missing. And I think another influence is sometimes our own culture because our Muslim friends like to point out how evil and immoral our cultures are and try to present to us an Islam that is different. Quite often people are attracted when you're in university or 
and a place where there are lots of Muslim friends, it's quite attractive to belong to a community, to belong to a group. Sometimes our great idea of being individualist and being free doesn't always bring all that we thought it would. And then to see a community and to be among people who accept you, uh, it gives you uh, a desire to be part of them and a desire to have that kind of feeling. And also that Islam is usually presented uh, as being very peaceful and the Quran is so beautiful and they have, they have all the knowledge of it. So they present uh, a teaching, although we know from studies that they haven't presented the whole picture, but it can seem very attractive to be presented to a family group, to a group that tries to meet the needs of other people and presents a fixed pattern of life. My friend Miriam said to me that it tells you how to live and eat and you feel safe and secure. But as a Christian, I had to make choices and live on my own, didn't know, feel a part of anything in reality. And so the, the safety and security that Islam has given me is very attractive. Of course, it's a misunderstanding that we don't know how to be safe and secure in Christ. But these are some of the attractions. And I think for young people, sometimes the disillusionment of the West and all our problems and the disillusionment of racism and dissatisfaction with maybe present religious experience makes us very open to be attracted to something else. And also, sometimes we're attracted to the mysticism a large number of people who converted to Islam have become Sufis, attracted to the spiritualism and the meditation and the, the ecstasy of experience that that brings. A lot of people were attracted to Islam through studying Arabic and having professors who were very influential. And I think also it's quite a, uh, attractive at certain ages in our life when we're more vulnerable than other times. But another aspect that attracts many people is that they fall in love with a person who is a Muslim. And a large number of people have married Muslims, men and women, mostly women, perhaps from our culture, but marriages that happen. And then later, maybe realizing the complications of the, the situation, but the attractiveness of someone who you fall in love with without realizing that you've also fallen in love with a person of another faith. But we, I want to share with you that, although that may seem dark and difficult, one of the interesting ones who maybe you've heard of, in the UK we have a very attractive convert. He was a pop singer called Cat Stevens, very popular at the time he was, and he took, vacations in Morocco because he loved the scenery and the culture. And one of his vacations, he took a Quran with him. And during his meditations, he converted to Islam and changed his name to Yusuf Islam. He has a great influence because he's very popular, very well known, and his life is uh, seen by many people and young people. For a while, he felt that music didn't have any place in his life and gave up his career of singing and writing music. But just in the last few years, he's begun writing music again and begin writing songs from the Quran, which is very interesting. 
And, of course, that he's a very attractive singer, singing lovely, mystical, and beautiful music about the Quran. But we want to look at the other side. Why are people attracted to Christ and come to Christ? And I think Christ is very attractive as well. And I'm, and I'm sure as we've been talking, we want to sh- communicate that attractiveness and that love and so forth. I'll just share with you a few testimonies of some of my friends and we can see the different things that attracted them to Christ. One of the early people that I spent a lot of time with was Farida. I was invited to live in Farida's home and that was quite an experience. I came to live in her home because another person had visited her. Well, didn't visit her actually, They came to visit her brother because he was doing correspondence courses. They looked, he wasn't there. He was at school because it was school hours. Neither was Farida, but her two older sisters were there. And their father had recently died and they were greatly in need of finding ways of making money. So when the person visited them, they said, we have extra rooms in our house and we're going to try to rent them out and make some more money to help support our nine children. And my friend who was visiting said, oh, Elsie's coming and she needs a room. Maybe you could rent a room to her. And they sort of accepted a room for me. I wasn't even there. In fact, I wasn't even in the country when they said it. But when I arrived a few days later, they said, we've sort of found you a room and hope you like it. It's with the family called Hashishi and they have nine children and lots of room though. So you could have a private room. Little did they know what a private room was because Farida's mom, Khati Zahra, never heard of private rooms and other people having private rooms. So when I came to visit them and they said, oh, that's wonderful, you're going to stay with us and there was great excitement and it was just hard to kind of tell what was going to happen. And so I accepted that I would live there. At least I would come for a few months until I found a place. So I moved with my suitcases in and they'd fixed the bed in this empty room that was going to be my room. And so we were there and we had dinner and it was all nice and lovely and fun. And then uh, when it got to around 10 o'clock or more, I said goodnight to the mom and the different people. You have to kiss everyone goodnight. And as I was saying goodnight to various people, the younger children were having a squabble. Who's sleeping in her room tonight? My turn, your turn, my turn. And mother said, be quiet. I've already made a rotor. You'll each have a turn. So what a surprise. I had the private room with a friend, uh, one of the younger children. And so each night somebody would sleep there. Actually, they paid no attention to me. They just wanted to be near me and were younger and three, four, and seven or eight years old. They all went to sleep rather quickly, whether whether I did or not. And so they became my family and had lots of wonderful experiences there. Also, whenever I went out, I went out with one of the children because women don't go out alone in Hati Zahra's mind. So everywhere I went, I had someone with me. But uh, the time that I was there, I discovered that her brother... He had a Bible, and he did sign up for the courses. But I soon discovered that four other members of the family each were taking the courses. 
One would write them one month, the next month it might be another person. So three or four of them had all wrote different parts of the courses that were going back and forth to the radio station. But I discovered that Farida wanted to discuss them, and the older sisters did too often. But little by little, it became apparent that Farida declared that she really believed that the Lord Jesus was true and that she wanted to be a Christian. Um, her brother, who had originally taken the courses, also in some ways made some sort of commitment but didn't follow through in clear lines as Farida did. And soon it was Farida who came to the Lord. Initially through starting to read the scriptures and do Bible courses, but partly because when I moved in there, the, we had many Bible studies and times together, and she began to go to the youth program as well with other Christians. So it was her belief in Christ came primarily through scripture and learning scripture and that knowledge. What was very interesting is that after she became a Christian, she was perhaps 15, 16, by the time she made a clear commitment, she asked for baptism. And the elders of the church, the other Algerian men said, we never baptize a minor person. So Farida said, well, I don't want to keep waiting. I'll be waiting a long time. Uh, and they said, well, you would have to ask your mother or have a signed document because legally we feel that we shouldn't baptize minors. So she said, oh, my mom will sign it. I'm sure she will. And I thought, well, I don't know. But anyway, lo and behold, when we took this paper home with this little document from the church elders, all in Arabic, but her mom couldn't really read. We read it to her. And she said, well, I don't really approve, but since you've done everything else I don't like, I'll just let you do this one too. Doesn't matter. And her mother signed it. And Farida was baptized. But it was quite interesting that later, when I was talking to her mother a few years later, she said, I don't fully understand what Farida did, but I was so happy that she became like you because I love you. I don't mind that she's a Christian. So I realized that the Lord had put me in her home because so that her mother could understand Christianity even if she hadn't become a Christian, but to allow Farida to make that decision and to move on. And I find it very exciting because Farida today works at, and gives her testimony and reaches out to many people in France. And her son is also involved in reaching out to Muslims. She's brought up her children as Christians. And her husband is also a lay speaker and preacher. It's the Lord has taken her a long way since those times she just read the Bible and did courses. Feroz is another close friend of mine who became a Christian. She too, from an early age, she said maybe 13, 14, she was in Algeria and she was in a big city and there were big Catholic churches and Protestant churches. She used to go to the church and knock on the door and say, will somebody here give me a Bible? And she said perhaps because she was young, they refused to give her one. She asked many times. She said, I thought, now come back next year. Finally, she went to uh, another place where it was, seemed like some sort of Christian bookshop. And she, they gave her a, a gospel, just a gospel, and, but not the Bible. And she was quite disappointed. 
But as she finished university, she came to London to do more English. And I was working on a book table on the streets of downtown London. She came walking up to the book table saying, have you got the Bible? Where's the Bible? And we said, just a minute, which language do you speak? Oh, any language, English, French, Arabic, where's the Bible? And of course, there was a number on the table and she began to pick up the books. And she said, can I have this one? And I said, can we talk to you? Oh, yes, I'll come back again. But she was so eager to have the Bible. She said, I've been looking for this, looking for a long time. I just got to have it and went off. (laughs) But before she went off, I managed to get a phone number so that I could go and find her. And, And I found her. But I found so interesting, as I met different people, I found that even before we met them, God began to work. She, too, had started looking looking for something. She didn't know what she was looking for, really. Somehow she wanted to look for a Bible. And it wasn't long after that that we were able to really see her come to know the Lord far more. And I think also of Nahel. Nahel is an Iranian who just came to England through a very long journey through Turkey. She had great tragedy in her life, in her marriage and a husband who tried to kill her and injure her very seriously. And she had a little boy, and she decided to flee her country to save her little boy as she felt her husband would take him away. And so she fled in terrible conditions through the night, through ran into Turkey, all the way to Greece to fly to London. And when she got there, you have to go to the police and, the, and register and get your papers. And when she went to register, I don't know who she met, but she said to the man who was helping her sign her papers and register that she was in England, I want to be a Christian. How do you do it? And he said, I'll just write something on the paper and you read it and do that. So he wrote on the paper, go to All Souls Church on Regent Street, opposite the BBC, they'll tell you. And that morning, I was at All Souls Church. She came in with the piece of paper. And she kept saying, what do you do, what do you do to be a Christian? Because having to do things to be a Muslim, she thought, maybe you do something to be a Christian. And she was so excited, it took a while to calm her down. You don't do anything. Let's just talk about it. And within the next few weeks, she became a Christian and we talked. And then one day we were talking and she said, do you know why I want to be a Christian? I want to be a Christian because a long time ago, I think it was my 10th birthday, my grandmother gave me something. She'd gone to Italy, to Rome and a visit on a holiday and she brought me a present. And let me show you the present. It was a small little plaque of Jesus sitting at the table of the Last Supper with the 12 disciples. And she said, for many years in my mind, I said, I have to meet the man in the middle of this picture. She didn't know much about him. And she said, you know, I always thought I'll someday meet him. And I have. And so again, the Lord had just brought her in a different way. She knew nothing, but just the thought in her mind, I need to find Jesus. And she found him, and she and her son. But the Lord works in lots of ways, and I'm sure some of you have read the story of Esther Gillum and the Torn Veil. Esther is another person that I've got to meet. She lives in in Oxford now, but she went 
to many things. She was very sick, and everyone thought she would die. They took her to Mecca, to the Holy Land, thinking in the holy places of Mecca she would become a Christian become healed, that God would work something, that that would heal her if they took her to Mecca. They took her to Mecca, but nothing happened. Later, bringing her back again home, somehow she met Christians and and God healed her. And through healing and deliverance, she became a Christian. And her story has been written up that possibly many of you have seen. She's now an elderly person, still sharing her faith with many people. Through healing, she was touched to come to Christ. So I think on the other person I just want to mention is Sarah. Just a few years ago, Sarah was distraught because her father had died and two years later, her mother. She felt very alone. She had a brother, but he had his own life. She felt left, abandoned. Who cared? And she wasn't much of a practicing Muslim. She had a good job. She had lots of advantages and a good education, but she felt lost and alone. And she said, I just wanted someone to comfort me, someone to be there for me. But there was no one. She said she went home one afternoon and fell asleep, and she had the wonderful dream. She didn't know who the person was in her dream. She said, I don't know, but he kept saying, come to me, come to my garden, and I will guide you, I will lead you, I will take care of you. The next morning she woke up and Sarah had said, I have a funny habit. When I get upset, I drive my car, which does sound rather silly in London. London is very busy, very heavy traffic. Who would want to drive a car for fun? But Sarah said, that's what I do. She got in her car, drove about, and came upon some different buildings. She said, I've never been in this part. I'll just park here and go in that big building over there. She walked into our church. And as she walked in, we have a large picture of the Lord Jesus um, before his crucifixion on the front of the church. And as she walked in and the church service was about to start, she exclaimed very loudly, Who is that man? I can see. Tell me, please, tell me. And a friend of mine said to her, Yes, sit down for a minute. It's Jesus. Oh, that man spoke to me last night. I saw him in a dream exactly like that. That's the person who told me to come and he will lead me. So she said she doesn't remember what happened that Sunday morning at all. But she came along to the Christianity Explored groups and came to Christ through a dream. Uh, Some of us need to have a clear theology of how to train, help and encourage and interpret dreams because we spent some time trying to understand how God had spoken And another friend of mine phoned me one morning and said, last night I dreamed that God said to me, if you don't wash your clothes and you don't have perfectly white clothes, I'm never going to let you in heaven. She said, what do you think God was saying that for? So we need to have some understanding of how to help our friends see Jesus, even if it's through dreams and through ways that we're not used to doing. So people are attracted to Christ and choose Christ, and we are able to be the ones to help and lead them along the way. Have you got friends that maybe already have a hope to find Jesus? Maybe something's already in their life and you're becoming alongside of them now to lead them on to the next step.